0: So if you've always wanted to start a podcast make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. This week on the local Sunday sports podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing Jack Pohl and Neil Connerman of WDTN, Dayton's NBC affiliate, as we turn to two welcome to the gem on the queen's crown a podcast talking local cincinnati and dayton ohio sports visit the lead slash podcasts for every available platform opening theme from music radio creative And now for our host, Lee W. Mowen.
1: This is episode 55 of the Gem on the Queen's Crown and possibly the biggest episode yet as I'm here in the studios of WDTN in Moraine, Ohio, talk with the two sports guys of Channel 2, Jack Pohl, sports director, and Neil Hutch Connerman. (laughs) Gentlemen, how are you today?
2: Very good. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks for your time today. I'm... Really pumped. Really like pumped about billing. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was good. <laughs> See, I asked you before I started recording, Neil or Hutch, uh-huh. and I figured get
2: both of them out of the way. There you thing. go. Uh, what's new in sports, gents? Ooh. Well, since you said this is airing soon, Urban Meyer has kind of taken over the landscape. And I will defer to Hutch a little bit about the Urban Meyer because I had actually been out of town the last few days. But I will tell you this. I was in Seattle visiting my daughter And it was front page news. It was, and that's when you're like, when you're, you know, you're sometimes you get in cocoons and what's big here isn't necessarily big outside. A good example is pretty much everyone around here in Cincinnati thinks Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. You leave this area and I find that to be not so prevalent, you know? Um, but I don't know, Hutch, that was horrible, wasn't it? (laughs) Well, it's it's
3: interesting because the first practice, of course, was Friday and, it was just kind of surreal because the media obviously is always there for the first practice, their interview opportunities, but because of the Urban Meyer situation, they closed practice. So our practice video literally that day was from a chopper. One of the Columbus stations had a chopper oh, and they're flying over the practice. And I thought, now see, um, and then the other video was guys outside, you know, coming in and that was the video of the first practice. And I thought, wow, how, you know, it just seems so bizarre to have the practice video from you know way up top and uh uh but today they did allow the media in but they had a corral for them so the media had to stay and in, so in other words they didn't want people yelling questions to any of the players or the but that was just the most bizarre thing of it um what do i think will happen i think you know i, I think we'll learn um that uh It was probably handled okay, and that the university was just taking uh, precautions to make sure that they uh, dotted their I's and crossed their T's. So um, Urban did admit that he was, I guess, not forthright with the media at Big Ten Media Days when they asked him about it. It's interesting, though, Urban being as savvy as I would think he'd be, having done this for a while. I would have thought when that question came up, he would have just said, you know what, that's a personnel matter and I can't talk about it. But he didn't. And so now, you know, and somebody said, well, how much trouble is he lying to the media? And I'm like, I don't think that's much trouble at all. I mean, shoot, politicians do it every day.
2: Good point. And I also believe that now, again, um, I was getting this story as anybody would, you know, through the media and what, you know, what was access to me on, whether it be ESPN or or, uh, through the newspaper or what have you, or, you know, obviously online. But my, you know... One guy makes a good point where this is why Nick Saban is Nick Saban. This is why anything you bring up, even remotely controversial, he will shut you down in a minute. And Urban, maybe when he gets older and crankier, don't forget, Nick Saban's 60-some-odd years old, 65 maybe. So uh, he's a little more, got 20 years or 15 years on him. So that may have been a difference. So it was one of those situations for Urban, better to be silent, thought the fool, than to speak and remove all doubt. I think he gets a one game suspension where they're favored by 38 points over Oregon State. I think he'll make a huge donation to um, uh, some kind of battered women's shelter which are good things I don't have a problem with that but that's that's my end result maybe a one game and I would be surprised if it were just a, a donation to that and a public apology uh, you know I, I not knowing the facts what I know my thought is. If he did know and he did nothing, that's pretty bad, but not as bad as the guy who did it. And uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a murky situation. It's, it's pretty murky. He, you know, was he a true enabler? I don't know.
3: It was interesting, though. He got ahead of it by releasing his statement Friday mm-hmm. uh, because I think he probably turned on all the stations and saw everybody and their uncle with an opinion on it and thought, you know what? I'm going to. So he says he was. He did everything properly, and if that's the case, then I'm not sure he even gets a one-game suspension. Yeah. If or he, they fired Gene show, Smith. Well, that could be the other shoe that might drop. Yeah. But if he can show that, hey, I did what I was supposed to do, that uh, back. then he'll be okay. But it's funny you mentioned about the no comment because in, in trying to get feedback, since obviously no one at Ohio State was talking about it, um, there's folks you know, trying to get other coaches, so you know, Cincinnati goes and talks with Luke Fickle. Uh, Cleveland was talking with Bo Pelini. At Youngstown, uh, Tom Herman at Texas used to be the offensive coordinator. And the funny thing is, they all send this stuff as reaction to Urban Meyer. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, they must have a comment. And all the comments were. Well, I don't really know much about the matter, so I don't feel comfortable <laughs> commenting. And, and and even Nick Saban, they had a comment. We have a guy, a connection down in Alabama. So he says, hey, I got, you know, Nick Saban talking about urban. So I get all excited. And thought, okay, I'll use the bite. Well, then you listen to the Biden. and it's Nick Saban's like, well, why should I comment? I don't know anything about it. You know, and the most he said is, I'm sure Ohio State will do the right thing, and they'll get it sorted out. And that was the extent of the same Exactly. But Bo Kleene, all of them said, I have nothing to comment about. No. I don't know anything about and it. And the whole so. story
2: originated from a guy shooting his mouth off to the press. And not that Urban was shooting his mouth off at all. He, he just mishandled a question that was of huge importance. And now he's in, in hot water. And he may have been very bad. If he knew that this stuff was going on, he shouldn't be the coach. I, you know, I, I, I agree. If you enabled, if you were like, I don't care. I mean, if his attitude was basically, I don't care that. My assistant coach was beating his wife, who we should point out has never been convicted of that. He's only alleged to have done so and denies it. So he could be telling the truth. This could just be a a scorned girlfriend. I don't know. We will find out. But my guess is at the end of two weeks, Urban Meyer's head coach. I'd be shocked beyond belief if he were fired. National media was
1: uh, on today talking that Urban might get three games, but this is from – was it Dan Patrick or Rich Eisen? Okay. And of course, Rich Eisen's Michigan man, so, you know. But
3: knows. again, if if he can prove that he did the right things, I'm not sure he should get any penalty because I he agree. did what he was supposed to do. However, Ohio State was smart by getting this independent committee to look at it because um, the lady that's charging it up is, is a tough cookie. I mean, she's dealt with some pretty big cases, and if they come out and say, look, there, there's nothing there, then I think most people will buy that. Whereas if it was an internal thing, then they'd say, "Well, of course." Of so course, they're going to say, "I agree." Right. So it'll be interesting. Now the flip side could be she could come back and say he's he got to go. <laughs> and then what do you do if you're Ohio State? Because then if Ohio State comes out and, and doesn't get rid of him, and then this committee says, "Well, we thought he should have been," then I think it gets you know then it gets sticky. But.
2: Then Luke Fickle needs to go undefeated at UC this year and end up back to Columbus next Because interim coach, he did that once, uh, right? He did that once, and I'm sure that's the – Although I don't think there's much. But, you know, you asked what the news, obviously, urban, and then to uh, extend onto that a little bit. Obviously, football is back. It's August. And this is the on deck circle to the biggest time of the year in American sport. It's hard to believe that high school football is just, what, two weeks away
1: now in two Ohio? Weeks from Friday. And one week away in Indiana and Kentucky, too. So that's.
3: It's big time. It's funny, though, making the rounds to the previews for Operation Football, which you can watch at six, ten, eleven 11 on Channel 2 uh, at 10, Dayton CW. Um, but the coaches, before you do the interview, all want to get your thoughts about Urban Meyer. So it just shows how the story transcends everything because everybody has an opinion or thoughts or wants to get your thoughts about it. So
1: That issue spread throughout Ohio and the nation. I mean, Ohio's feeling it the worst just because, mm-hmm. you know, it's – Ohio State, it's in the center of the state, type of thing in sports, and then it just trickles on
2: throughout. It's amazing. I mean, I'm in C. That's as far as you can get from here, just about (laughs) without falling into the ocean. And it's on the front page of their sports. You know, exactly. You know, and like a big. You know, I had a picture of him, and it just said "What next?" with a big question mark. So it's, uh, you know, well, we will see what uh, we'll see what we see. But on the more positive note, you talk about high school football starting again, and uh, it is very exciting. A little. A little too early. We're going to actually have two games played before Labor Day, which and seems three like three before the first NFL game. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, then technically three before Labor Day because Labor Day would be the Monday after week three, correct? No. Oh, no. The 30th. <laughs> I can't do The 30th head, of but. August. <laughs> is there 30 or 31 days in this month?
1: Thirty-one.
2: Okay, so... I know
1: that because the Dragons have their last home game, the 31st. But at least two...
2: So, I mean, I like it because it's... You know, especially with now, the Dragons look like they're going to have a fantastic finish. Right now, they are in the playoff hunt, Mm -hmm. um, although nobody's taken charge of that. And halfway through the longest... uh, if One of the longest, if not the longest, road trips in team history... I mean, they're treading water, and, you know, I figured, I think it's a 13 game trip. I told Tom, I said, well, you know, even five and eight, they'd probably be all right, you know, but you just want to avoid that, you know, whatever, three and 10 or something like that, but even a couple extra wins here and there. So we'll, we'll see how they finish that out. And they were the worst road team in Dragons history. First half of the season, they played much better in the second half.
1: Right now, they're two and four with still stops at Lansing and Great Lakes to go. Lansing's already got playoff spot, but, they also lost a uh, Spamberger. He got called up to advance that day. guy was incredible. That guy's a monster.
2: Oh my god. That's the guy they traded for, right? They got Yeah, that was, yeah he just I I saw his first at bat with them and he just crushed the ball to center for a single and his second bat was a, a hot hit ball, and you could just tell he was a man among boys. Yeah, that that home run I swear went
1: into the construction zone right outside oh, yeah. the ballpark. That's that was just like, Yep, bye ball. Yeah. We'll never see you again. Yeah. So let's begin. Uh, Gentlemen, where are you from and where did you go to school at?
2: Uh, I am uh, from right here in Dayton, born and raised in Dayton, Ohio. I went to Centerville High School. And uh, gosh, I'm I'm really pathetic. I went to – I mean, I stayed home, never went anywhere to – Uh, Well, I eventually got around, but, um, went to Sinclair and Wright State. And, uh, so you'll appreciate that. I like Mm -hmm. the, and, um, started in radio and ended up in TV. And, uh, that is the very short version.
3: And, and I yeah, I usually try to keep a low profile because I graduated from a certain Jesuit university in Cincinnati. <laughs> Xavier. And of course that's uh UD's big rival, so I kinda keep that low-key. But uh but yeah, born and raised in Cincinnati and um also started in radio and then got into TV. So
2: you know what's weird though about that is that we're working toward a generation that will never know Xavier as UD's rival. I mean, we're already how many years removed. It doesn't really take that long in the sports for maybe 10, 12 years. I mean, we're already to the point where a lot of NBA fans know of Michael Jordan, but don't, you know, they know Michael Jordan, like the way I grew up and knew, you know, Bill Russell or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you knew they were great, but you never really experienced their greatness. And you're watching greatness now with LeBron and KD and that sort of thing. So when I think about the UD Xavier, which defined, I think – I don't know if it did – I mean, it wasn't Xavier's main rival. No, but it was a big rival. Yeah, Cincinnati,
3: obviously, the yeah. two-school. But it was a pretty big rival. There's a lot of folks from Cincinnati that go to UD. Well, and, who's married? Who's married? So, the
2: Dayton coach
3: was – Well, uh, Chris Mack's wife was, a, what was, was. a stellar that's, basketball that's, yeah. player, Christy, at UD. <laughs> Correct. In fact, she's in the Hall of Fame. Wow. For UD. That's how – and. Uh, you know folks that remember her playing just raved about you know not just her on court skills but what a what a great person she was so but, um, well, it's funny you should say that about how time changes things. Um, the Dragons, a couple weeks ago when Joe Morgan came in and he was joking about more people remember him as the ESPN baseball guy or think of him that way than they do. <laughs> than they, they do realize he was an MVP and a, you know won a World Series. And, and yeah,
2: while well, well, Madden comes out this week, I wonder how many kids that buy that game and adults even – John in, one why? Sure, just like man, that's that's just a a video game, <laughs> right? <laughs> right?
3: That's Good point.
1: That's something I never think about too. Just because you know, when you think about these names and these rivalries, I mean, this generation's not seeing them. You mentioned Dayton and Xavier, and Dayton, Wright State too. I mean
2: No, and they haven't played since when? I don't 90, know. 90s? Uh, 97. And 97. And I know every oh, year, gosh, you know. twenty
3: over 20 years. Somebody will bring it up that how they should play, and it would be great for the, you know, Dayton area to do it. But just the way schedules are and conferences, it just I think it would have to take a, a major sponsor to come up and say, you know what, we'll do this, and we'll give so much to, you know, a Dayton charity, and then maybe it would force the hand. But...
2: Dayton has nothing to gain by playing Wright State. Now, that could change if Wright State does what a lot of people think they're going to do over the next five or six years, and that's dominate the – but you're still in the Horizon League, and you've lost the best teams in the Horizon League. So maybe Wright State's the next great team to leave the Horizon League. I don't know. Possibly. I would hope not, uh, just because of the other sports. You know, you have to look at the big picture, and they've done a really nice – It would
3: be fun for the fans, but as you say – the athletic directors and coaches are more concerned about <laughs> yeah. schedules and
2: right uh, how they do things rather than what the fans. And I don't might even know like where did. Uh, well, I know Butler obviously was a major deal, and they were going to national championships. Um, who was the Valpo? What, Valpo. Uh, what Reza. conference did they go to? Uh, Missouri Valley. Missouri. That's right. Yeah, I don't see. I mean. Last
1: year was pretty rough for the Crusaders, but I think this year, you know, they yeah. recruited. Well, I mean, class. they're in. And well, a lot yeah.
3: of folks when Loyola went there and left, oh, yeah. people thought, you know, what are they doing? Are they kidding? And then look what happened with Loyola this year. So, you know, their thinking was well, probably stronger conference. You recruit better players, and then it starts to to build on itself.
1: You got to think too. Loyola was a founding member of the Horizon League, Correct. and they, I mean, outside the national championship year, when did they really, you know, take charge of Horizon League? Right? Not. Didn't, um, didn't. Yeah,
3: they were the old Midwest City Collegiate League. I mean, <laughs> that's how far Loyola goes back. Wow. Yeah. Right. That's right. That's seventies. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That's back in the day.
1: Let me ask this because both you mentioned you're in radio. How do you find yourself in television with a radio background?
2: Used to be very common, um, uh, and, and just radio is so small now that there's so many, you know people doing five radio stations and they, you know how it works. It's just, yeah. if people don't know how it works, a lot of satellite radio, there's a Jack FM in Seattle and it sounded exactly like the Jack FM here in Dayton. Okay. And it, you know, most of it, you go to any city in the world and, you know, it's, it's, or in America rather, they all sound familiar. So, you know, I was in the tail end of, uh, I was replaced by Bob and Tom and that's what, uh, uh, got me to Z 93 and uh, I did Z93 with Kim Ferris, and it was great. You know, I was young and it was an exciting time, but my kids were getting older and didn't want them to hear dad doing boob jokes in the mornings. <laughs> I, had to, I knew that was had to coming up, to, had to, like I've been telling the same jokes for 25 years, but um, anyway, that's uh, but that is true. And uh, but having a radio background, I mean, I used to prepare a half an hour for a four and a half hour radio show. Now I go three and a half hours for a three minute TV broadcast. You know, I, pre- you know, the prepare the littlest thing I do in television is be on TV. You know, three minutes at six. Uh, now the ten's pretty long. It's like four, four now for Hutch though. The 10 o'clock is, uh, I want to yeah, like say two minutes, minutes, two minutes. So you're looking at maybe four because the weekends, there's more sports. You're looking at for Hutch, less than 20 minutes a day on the weekend. And I'm, about the same weeknights because I get less at eleven than he does at eleven for the weekend because there's more sports on the weekend but having a radio background we we were talking about ad lib before we uh, started the podcast and now some guys can you know maybe do a whole television show just off the top of their head just show the highlights and kind of talk about it as it goes I could do that um I think having a radio background allows me a sense of humor I'm a try to have a sense of humor anyway guy and what we do is isn't you know? It doesn't matter now. The Urban Meyer situation is important, but ninety nine percent of what we do, you know, okay, you lost. Guess what? You get to play again next week or next year or or whatever. And uh, it's it's just a game. It's you know, it's a great escape for people. It's great to have passion about it. It's it's great to care. It's all important, but you can't skirt the fact that at the end of the day, that guy just had more points than you. <laughs> You still go home at night and nobody's you know, hopefully nobody got too hurt. So um, but to directly answer your question, I think radio is 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 a great way to transition into TV just for comfort, you know. Uh you just get comfortable talking to people that aren't in front of you. As
3: uncomfortable as it is after a, a loss, it's still easier to talk to Homer Bailey after he loses a game than it is asking someone how do you feel when their house burned down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. so yeah, news compared to sports, there's just as you said, it's you know, yeah, losses are tough. People all love their teams, but at the end of the day it's it's just Can sports. I use another
2: old joke? You know why I got into sports television wow. instead of news television? Because they don't have buffets at uh, police standoffs. Okay. I'm eating <laughs> at free at the hey, At least you're honest about I'm it. I'm honest. Oh, you, just, you know, you, you look around a press box and you see the young, good-looking reporter. He's thin and in shape, and, and he's you know he's got his hair just right. Then you look at the guy about my. He's got the little pudge from eating all that free food all those years. Then you see the guys on the brink of retirement. Giant. And they taking up two chairs. It just wears on you, you know. Well, yeah. that free food. <laughs> I mean, you got to eat. You, you got to eat, and if you're... they're giving it, if it's free. It's for me. What can I say?
1: Exactly. Let's uh, talk to me a little bit about your radio background.
3: <laughs> well, it's interesting, uh, and that's probably one of the reasons too that you know I looked into TV because you know back when I was in radio in Cincinnati, at least there were four stations that were quote unquote news stations that had sports departments. You know, so there was some competition there, but slowly and surely, you know, the, the station, uh, the company that owns WLW now started buying the other stations up. And so all of a sudden you're realizing, wow, what, you know, used to be probably 2 guy staffs or two person staffs at those other stations now is you know two or three persons at one station so you saw it dwindling big time and now shoot you look i mean there's aren't there not a whole lot of radio stations when you go now there's some people that you know are using their phones to record either for podcasts or for Mm -hmm. you know print stuff but as far as like radio stations that actually do sports is a main thing it's you just don't see as many
2: And those that stations. do cover ESPN or Fox Sports, like 14 art radio stations down there, we do have one local uh, radio show, but, you know, they're pretty few and far between. And telling you how old I am. I mean, one of my
3: jobs when I worked in radio was going to Reds games every night. Now, I did split it with a guy named Doug Kidd at the time who was at WLW. We'd split the games, but we'd have to be at every Reds game, and then you'd have a phone. And you'd pick it up, and it was called Sports Sticker. It was a sports service for all the TV and radio stations. And you'd call and say, "Cincinnati calling," you know, at the end of one, and you'd give the score and tell them, you know, if there was a run, how it scored, and that you reported that way. It was well, Twitter shoot. before Twitter. Thank you. Uh, and is, now, I mean, you it was the Twitter phone. Yeah, I right. like that. Right. I mean, now you look, and you know, obviously everybody's, you know, somebody guy's got a computer, and he's putting it all in, and it's going everywhere, and in split seconds i right.
2: mean, yeah
1: i won't lie i mean dragons games i'll tweet about that just make sure you know that my scoreboard's all right it's like okay here's what happens so nope. yeah i get that it's modern
2: it, things change you know
3: right yeah. but it was funny and you were i mean you had to be there you know you had to be there for the entire game and um had to make sure you showed up because you know somebody in new york that's where the service was out of was counting on you to be their eyes and ears at the game
1: you mentioned uh the ownership buying these stations. And Cincinnati, uh, iHeart has, uh, of course, the big ones. j
3: core I think, at the time what was a big yeah. one, and, and everybody buys everybody. And,
1: and they got the ESPN and Fox Sports affiliate down there now. So they have right. all, I think, just the three stations.
3: There wasn't stations. Correct. Station but they're, they're all, yeah, they're all owned by the right. same. Right. Group. And iHeart's so the same way got, here in town. You know, yeah, you've they got, got Moeger the on the yeah. ESPN, and then you've got yeah. Moeger on WLW, stuff yeah. like that. So, so, yeah, there were fewer and fewer opportunities in radio and so
2: Man, i'm in the wrong generation for radio
3: you are <laughs>
2: i mean go back even, ten even years. my generation was i caught the tail end of it and it was uh you know and i was kind of like 10 and i'm glad i'm kind of like 10 years back on everything um if i'd been born 10 years earlier and lived the same life i'd probably be probably would have made a lot more money and done a lot more things and had a lot more opportunities, but everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the radio. I got to do a lot of cool things, got to have a lot of fun and, you know, kind of get that side of it. And I think that also takes the edge off me in sports. I'm not a guy who's, you know, just so completely, you know, sports are live and die everything. I mean, they're important. I love them, but you know, it's not, I think it's important to have balance. Yeah. Got to have
1: balance. When did you both start at WDTN?
3: Shoot, Jack's been one of the longest yeah, folks like, here, next to second, Brian Davis, yeah, second, right? On air, secondly, chief
2: meteorologist. Yeah, uh, you know it's funny. I don't. I can tell you the year I became sports director. It was right after Ohio State beat Miami in the 2002 national championship game out in Arizona. And within a week of coming back from that, they, you know, they wanted to make a decision for the new year. It had nothing to do with that. It wasn't like, you're the greatest reports ever. No, it wasn't like that. It was, but I just remember that. I remember thinking, wow, that's a pretty good week. I came back. Ohio State won the national championship. It was amazing. I was on, you know, covering the game on the field. It was a really neat experience. And um, then they named me sports director. That was 2002. Um, the 2001 season but of January 2002 is when they beat Miami and uh I don't know worked here 10 years before that I started out now it's over 25 years full time I did start out while I was still on radio I was doing I was the morning man at Z93 when they were before they were Jack FM and before they were Five other stations since then. I can't remember. Had a lot
1: Jack of- and Jill and uh, yeah. uh, Chuck, I think. Yeah,
2: they had a bunch. Of, exactly, a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different names. So um, it's been a long, long time. Second only to uh, Brian Davis on air, even longer than Mark Allen, which surprises a lot of people.
1: That surprises me too, because Mark Allen's been there since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah,
2: I started with Jack Hicks was the main anchor.
3: Let's see, yeah, yeah. how about you, Hutch? I started here in two thousand four. So replaced Guy Fogel, a long-time sports anchor. He worked at he every, station. every station, right? He was at twenty-two forty-five. He was at seven for a while, and then he was here for a while. And most recently, the athletic director of Trotwood, but yeah. now working for the working county for the now, I believe Montgomery County. Yeah, so good for him.
2: So.
1: To be in the same building as omar williams as many old-time Dayton. Fans omar was say. a dear
2: friend of mine
1: dean of dayton sportscasters
2: he took me under his wing when he didn't have to i was a you know punk radio kid coming in here and uh uh didn't know anything about tv in fact um my demo tape for television uh, we used to have public access tv um back and before youtube now you can do anything you want on youtube you don't really need but um there was public access TV, and I got to know the guys um, not through sp- – well, yeah, through sports. There was a, a guy whose son played for Centerville High School. It was Denny Atkins. He is now a judge here, Judge Dennis Atkins in uh, Montgomery County. A really great guy, but his kid plays, and uh, his kid was really good, you know, 100 years ago, and um, he's yeah, – I don't know what made him think to ask me to do the games, but uh, he knew I was on radio, and he's like – He's like, "Uh, you know, you want to do some games? And uh, I said, sure, I'll do the high school football play-by-play games. And uh, I don't know how he got my name, but he said, I'm going to put them on public access. And so he would shoot an open and I'm this goofy little, I mean, it's just awful, but uh, it looks just like what you think public access would. But we did the games. We did them for three years. This kid was there and I got to know the guys at public access. And then when I wanted to decide to get into television, I uh, paid those guys like sixty bucks, and I did like a fake sports cast. Just I knew nothing what I was doing, and it got me a job. That's a demo. And the rest is but, the rest, is. but the rest is history. I and mean, I knew about sports; I just didn't know about TV. But I knew about broadcasting. So, and like I said, it was very common. Carl Day. God rest his soul, but he's a Hall of Famer and everybody knows. I mean, he started in radio. Mike Hartsock started in radio. Uh, you know, John the, Brown started um, in radio. Correct. Um, so it's, you know, you look at older guys, guys over, you know, 45, 50, most of them probably spent some time in radio because radio was, was huge. You know, you could get a good job back then or there, I shouldn't, you can't, you can still now, but there were a lot more to be had. The- Jobs are fewer and far between, especially. Right. No, especially, I, know it. Especially I still got friends market. in radio. Yeah, it's ain't no picnic, but it's
3: amazing to me. Back then, I think when you were TV, I mean, you were a big deal. I mean, we, I mean, we have archive tapes of. Joe Morgan clowning around with Omar yeah. Williams or Pete Rose clowning around with Omar Williams. And I can't even envision that now because guys look at mm. us like, well, if you're not ESPN or you're not right. a you're network, not- I'm not, you know, TV. is It's, you know, what it used to be back then. Guys were thinking, well, shoot, I don't care if it is Dayton. I'm getting on TV somewhere, yeah. you know, and now you look and
2: it's just you don't have those relationships. You don't. I mean, maybe a guy will joke around a and- like dragon player here or there. But yeah, they're okay. gone, they're, you know. You just there's no building of relationships because they're gone so quick. So it's tough, right? But give you an idea on that. Last year, um, Pete Rose was in town for an event, and
3: of course, or it might have been two years ago, I guess, because it was before his statue dedication so we went out and uh he took one look at my mic flag and said channel two omar williams and i mean to me that just boggles my mind here is pete rose who's met how many people in his lifetime yeah. and this and, and that this. and it it don't you know he relates channel two with omar williams and then he looked at uh mike Hartzack who's also there channel seven and yeah. asked him if um um what was the guy's name before Mike um Oh um sports? Hamlin. Yeah, Hamlin. If, if he was you know what his situation was. But um it's just amazing how those relationships were such that, you know, oh you know, here's Pete Rose
2: remembering Omar Williams. Yeah. Uh, and Omar, the reason I even got hired at channel two was because Omar he just couldn't do the late anymore. He was getting up there in age and he just he couldn't do it. And uh even though they had two reporters the two reporters were working weekends and doing stories during the week and they didn't anchor much. And anyway, they wanted Monday nights off. So they needed someone to do the 11. And back in those days, we were an ABC affiliate and did Monday night football. Now that I know better, those <laughs> guys were like, I'm not doing that. It's 1:30 AM, which is what it was Monday night football back in those days started at nine, kicked off right. at nine o'clock. Damn. And, uh, so we would generally, and the first show I ever did was at, uh, you know, probably one in the morning on uh, Monday night football and, uh, forgot to hitch my tie. I'll never forget the, we had an EP that worked at nights till one in the morning. I can't even imagine that now, but, um, uh, you know, I get off the air and I said, what, you know, he said, oh, Jack, that was your first one. Peter, he still works in the market. Peter especially. yeah, he works over at 45. And, uh, he looks at me and he brushes off my shoulder. He said, You forgot one thing. I'm thinking, oh God, what? And he hitched my tie <laughs> I'm like, what? Never get a second chance to make a first impression. <laughs> But at least I remember my first show. It wasn't some, you know, I don't remember what day it was. I know it was uh, in the fall. It was uh, whatever the first Monday Night Football game was back in the early 90s or whatever it was, mid-90s, whenever it was.
1: And back then, you didn't have uh, automation after TV, too, where you could just pop something in, you know, watch it. You had to sign off on
2: air? No, we signed off. Yeah, we did. It wasn't long, though. I don't remember working here very long before we were 24 hours. In fact... I take that back. I think we've always been 24 hours for the whole time I've been here. So it's been over 25 years that we've been uh, 24-hour station. At least I remember. I could be wrong. I don't – you know, I could be wrong, but – Old days
3: when they play the national anthem and yeah. show the footage from you know twenty years twenty years in the making of, you know, yeah. different uh icons of American history as they played the national anthem and sign off and then all of a sudden you hear the tone.
2: Yeah. That was it. Boom.
1: Those those are old days of T V. Yeah. Don't see that anymore.
2: Got, no, it's got. Uh, it's definitely all you know, like it's, it went that way. What happened in radio, and I can remember when all this was happening in radio, and I could see it. And I'm just like, "No, man, automation's taken over." Uh, you know, if it works, we know it's it's taken over. And my friends would be like, "In a business, you know, there's like, no way who's going to answer the phones? We gotta, how are you going to do contests? They don't care. You know, they'll figure out a way. And you know, now they do. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of the places you text and. You know, you text into the radio station and you win that way and stuff like that. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's funny. I would love to do radio again if it was like it used to be, but yeah, it's, it's not.
1: It's it's a hard it's a hard market to crack. Yeah. We talked a little bit about Omar Williams and talked about you know your time here, Jack. How about you, Hutch? About your time in Cincinnati, what was it like down in the Queen City?
3: Uh, well, it was just different, you know. As I said, um, I covered—I uh, remember covering the '88 All-Star Game and. You know, it was nothing compared to the one that we had what just four or five years ago. And then I covered the Super Bowl at Joe Robbie Stadium, and I tell people I'm like, it just boggles my mind now because as big as it was, and Super Bowls have always been big, but as big as it was, not near the kind of pomp and circumstance and the things that you have going on. I mean, I remember just walking around Joe Robbie Stadium before the game, and you know there were a few VIP tents, and you'd look up because you'd see a chopper coming in, and you think, okay, what you know who, what big shots coming in there, but nothing like
2: the, you know it is now. So yeah, I was over at the Indianapolis Super Bowl, and it was, I didn't go to the game, but just the pre thing, I did some stories, and it was unbelievable. Right, but that, yeah, just they had a whole village, and yeah, they, they did they had a whole village, and they. They built an airport for that thing. Built a new hotel for that. That my sister lives over there. She's like, it changed our city forever. Once, that's why you know it's such a money, much a money maker, and changes your town.
3: And then in in radio, I just laugh because you know I remember going into like a Bengals weekly news conference with a. Big, I think they were called Moranth's recorder that <laughs> had the little tight thing on it, right? The little, the little meter on it, and you plop it down Beat and you, right? You put your mic on a stand. You're pegging the meters. And, <laughs> you know, and they'd start talking, and everybody be reaching adjusting their their levels, and uh those things weren't light. You know, you're okay. lugging around this right now. I look, and you know, guys in radio can sit there with their phone. And, and oh, it's weird. It. I we, started we have
2: folks with you know, shooting video on their phones now. Yeah. So, I mean, it's life is all about getting a shot, you know, and, and you, you get a shot and you may not deserve that shot. It's where you go and take that shot. But maybe if, like, like I got a job at TUE through right out of high school. I got a job at WTUE and God love them. They're still playing the same music that we were back then. Um, new music's been released, but they kept staying. the. But anyway, they're a classic rock station, but you know, we were the hip, cool, rock station in town. I mean, you work in a t- the Z90 Theater wasn't even a top 40 station in town. People live south had to listen to Q102. I mean, it was like a beautiful music station, which is K99 now, and that was number one. And number two was TUE most of the time. And um, uh, we used to have albums. I mean, you know, we would cue records, literally cue records. And we did a thing that used to be called Midnight Theater, where at midnight, you'd play a whole album. And um, You'd take a commercial break while you flipped the album. Well, there was this one out when I was doing it, and when I flipped it, it, it dropped. Well, it didn't have writing; it had like a little design that was identical on both sides. And I wasn't paying attention, and I played the same song twice. By the second song, the phone lights were going. Somebody was listening. <laughs> hey, we're listening. We had huge listener shifts back then. That was a that was a big time. Uh, you know, well, and you still do. I mean, everyone still listens to radio. Um,
3: And then I just remember when you went somewhere on location, literally you had, you would unscrew the mouthpiece of the phone and there were two silver prongs and you had these little alligator clips and you would clip them to the prong. And then you put the, it had a, uh, you know, just an earphone jack, you plug that in the recorder and that's how you sent your, your uh, sound. And I remember one year covering spring training, red spring training down in Plant City. And I thought it was the neatest thing in the world. The station gave me a cell phone and they're like, you'll be able to call in from wherever they are without having to find a pay phone or a, you know, a cord phone. And this thing, I swear to God, was as big as a, a grip i mean it was huge it had this huge battery it's a, but you thought it was the best thing in the world because you didn't have to hunt for a phone and you're like so literally i can stand on the field and call in a report and you know talk to a player while I'm, and they're like yeah and uh, now we laugh and they're this size yeah, yeah. it's it's just the, so i guess for my you know just amazing how things change and then in cincinnati when i was growing up uh, we had all three dayton stations In Cincinnati, on cable, you got them just like, and you know, most of the time, obviously, you only watch it. But because you had it, and there's sometimes where somebody, the, you know, the. NBC in Cincinnati was carrying a Reds game so you'd turn on Dayton's NBC so you could see the news or you could see the so I was familiar with Don Brown and Guy Fogle and, yeah. and Mike Hartsock and Omar Williams uh, I had a friend John Condit who worked with Omar and um, they would come down to Reds games because back then they had to come to get their video if they wanted to rent the game, yeah, they had right. to come down. So you would see them at the games, you know, with their cameras, shoot a couple innings, and head back to Dayton. Yeah. So it's amazing how things have changed, it's but much I, easier now, right? And I remember when John called and said, "Hey, you know, there's a position at uh, at seven where he's works in sales." And he goes, Mike Hartsock. And my first reaction was, Mike Hartsock is still there. <laughs> and that was 14 years ago. <laughs> well, guess what? He's it's, still there now. Right. So it just, uh, you, it was funny at the time, you know, we knew, um, I knew all of the Dayton sportscasters and, and broadcasters because you got the stations in Cincinnati. And then I think it wasn't all that long ago that, you know, cable and the guys, you know, stations got more possessive and didn't right. want, you know, so you
1: could say that Hartsock decided to stay right there. <laughs> yes, we could say, <laughs> say that. Yep, that, that's a great quote. Not for this station, but it's a great quote. Right. So, in a span of one year, starting in around this time, because that's our school years for high school and colleges. What do you both cover here at WDTN? I know Operation Football is probably the biggest thing, out of the year. Yeah, I
3: mean, personally, but a lot I'm of a, mistake, a lot yeah. of. Uh, resources, yeah. but I, I, I still think in this market, Ohio State football, Ohio, Ohio State State's Reds, ball, NFL, yeah. be it the Bengals, Steelers, Browns, uh, NFL is still you know king. Um, you know we talk about that all the time. Don't get me wrong, high school football, love it, love covering it, uh, and it's it's fun to do. But you know when, and I think Jack will agree, when somebody stops me and might recognize me in a store, it's always like. Oh you know, hey, what do you think the Buckeyes are going to do this year? You know, you think the Reds can, you know, ever get good again or things like
2: that. Unless they're, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I I would say 99% of the time Reds, Bengals, Buckeyes, um, or at least 90, unless there's some big story going on. Like, you know, I did have a guy ask me about Hunter Green earlier this year, but You know, that's a top, you know, a very top topic and that sort of thing. So, you know, what we cover is, you know, we try and cover everything. And uh, um, but what like, yeah, I mean, Hutch nailed it. I mean, those are that's. If but then obviously in this city,
3: you know, UD basketball is is always huge yeah. because of the tradition. And um, it is Dayton. You know, it's the one thing you can actually say, okay, Dayton. You know, it's not the Cincinnati Reds or Cincinnati right. It's Dayton basketball or Wright State basketball. And, you know, obviously Wright State, as they continue to develop that program and you have to remember they were a one-time division two not that long ago so you know it's a building process but there are more and more people that you will run into that will say well wow you
2: know Wright State I heard they're having a good year so uh but UD I mean and you know I'm a Wright State guy obviously they got my money but (laughs) when UD gets this arena done it's going to be an NBA style arena which we've been to a few of those and um they're spectacular. And the first four is immediately, um, uh, related to UD, uh, and the university of Dayton and those things, you know, that, that's, that's a big difference. Also the, you know, just the, you're right near downtown, you know, we still a lot of people work. And once they build up the, uh, the, 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 where the fairgrounds used to be, that's going to only enhance UD more. So, you know, I always like to say in terms of uh, support and popularity, probably UD basketball in Dayton only. I'm not talking about Columbus or Cincinnati. I'm talking about the city of Dayton's teams. Pretty much Dragons rule the summer and the Flyers rule the winter. That doesn't mean Wright State doesn't do a nice job. That doesn't mean there are other them. i trying to think what else is in the summer locally, not much. You know, the Dragons have it all to themselves. So, you know, and it's a first-class, you know, it's a first-class run uh, organization, so it's really nice. That could have gone one of two ways, and it went the right way.
1: I mean, UD's been around for a long, long time. Years, longer than yeah. Wright State's
2: been a thing. School, yeah. yeah. Four, well, four or five times as long. So, And they built – yeah, don't forget, this is also a college that was – when the NIT decided the national champion was in the Final Four or even the championship, what, three or four times in the 60s? Now, you know, most people have outgrown that, but, you know – You know, or older, I shouldn't say that those people are still, you know, relatively and they remember that, and that's just, you know, it's like you only need that one Super Bowl, and you're probably always going to get a a coaching job, or you know, even a World Series championship it's like, well, they did it before, they could probably do it again, it's just, and UD kind of had that with a stretch of, uh, you know, when college basketball was much different back then.
1: UD Arena is just beautiful, like you mentioned state-of-the-art, once the renovation's going to get done, hopefully that fire didn't cost too much damage I, no i, think I mean it won't
2: i mean for crying out loud a crane crashed on the miller park and it delayed opening for a year <laughs> so in milwaukee i didn't know i went up to a brewers game this year and a guy was telling me that it worked there so things happen but when they're done and they get that thing running you just you know it'll be nice
1: it's going to be nice do you think we'll ever see NBA, um, Preseason games back in Dayton. I mean, Wright State uh, had some in the nineties. Right? It was great. Well,
2: heck, so did UD. We and uh, we had LeBron James yeah. here, the Cavaliers, and uh, me and Hutch went down interviewing. He's great, but they won't do that anymore. I, I shouldn't say they won't. I, didn't they have a game? in they- – Xavier last year at the Cintas? Uh, They might have. I mean,
3: I could see the Cavs or the Pacers just because, you know, sometimes they like to regionalize, branch out. I mean, every so often we'll have the Bengals come up during the training camp and hold a training session in Dayton because they realize that, you know, being in a smaller city, they need the surrounding areas. So I think you could see the Pacers or –
2: I would um, love it. I mean, I'm a big NBA uh,
3: fan. I'm not – Cavaliers or, heck, even the Pistons.
2: Pistons. Well, yeah. Canard. Luke Kennard say, Hey, you know, <laughs> they brought yeah, Luke Kennard to you, you to get all of Franklin there. Yeah. You'd run to another center. You'd pack that place out. I, um, I do know the NBA cut its preseason back. There's less games. So I know that that's, it's less of a chance, but, um, I always thought it did well when I know jo- Jordan played here. Booker interviewed him. Jim Booker got things. He walks up. He's like, I figure what the heck. He's at his locker and Booker got a exclusive winter interview with, with, uh, Michael Jordan. And it was one of those things where it's like, Sometimes the prettiest girls the loneliest because nobody thinks they're good enough to ask her out. And in, now in today's world, it's really tough to get interviews. But, Luke walked right up to him, one-on-one interview. It was unbelievable. I'll never forget that. When he brought that back to the station, like you've got to be kidding me. But uh, anyway, maybe.
1: How do you guys get all the scores? Because the Miami Valley is such a big, big place, and I know what you guys said. High school football is not the top, but it's you know pretty big around here. It's huge on Friday. It's
2: Friday night. We don't do any other sports on Friday. Hutch, you t- I mean, old fashioned calls though have gone down from when I started, which was the most. We had to hire people to answer the phone, <laughs> right? In uh, you know twenty years ago, and 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 before. In the last few years, the phone still rings off the hook, but but not not nearly as to because people are Twitter. tweeting
3: the score out or they're emailing the score out or you know the 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 score lines that you can get on your you know devices. So uh, it still rings, but uh, not near yeah. what it used to be.
2: But we used to fly rely solely on phone calls, and now it's a number of things. You know the websites are pretty good about it, and people call in, and but uh, generally speaking, between Twitter uh, and a numerous, like Hutch said, score sites, high school dedicated score sites, generally find what you need by the end of the night. It's amazing thing. Back then, you just have people answer the phone
1: just to write down the scores. We
2: did. I'll ne- and it was crazy. I mean, it well, was- Well, I always joke with
3: Jack. I'm not sure how people in our business did it before the internet because- <laughs> Uh, I mean, I was in radio when you had the old AP ticker, and you know, you and it would click away, and you you know, you'd get partial scores, and then yeah. you'd have to wait until it got updated again before, or you know, just just looking up information. Uh, I think, how did they do this job before uh, the computer? Of course, the flip side was. What you said was was law because nobody could really fact-check you.
2: No, you months. didn't. And there was only a few times I can remember this was, you know, I remember Springfield beat Centerville 6 to nothing, and it was back when Springfield wasn't that good, and Centerville was great. I, I remember thinking, boy, I don't know if we should run the score. You know, but then we got it like two or three times. That's the one that sticks out. But other times they do. You're just like, wait a minute, who did what? That doesn't sound right. You know, should we run this? But. We always ran it. <laughs> the phones afterwards. You know, no one's going to die if we run the wrong score. I've run them, right. you know, before, and it's hectic. You're, and things- occasionally we'll, you yeah. know, get a score mixed up, right? And
3: yeah. then somebody will have called and said, "Hey, you know, they want to let you know that you know you guys had that backwards, that so right. and so one. And you know, happens. in the the heat uh, the heat of the moment, sometimes you know you put things in the wrong place, but for the most part. um,
2: you know, it's a lot easier
3: to do yeah. than a, than a, you know what. Well,
2: you can get ahead of the game, you know, you can just start, you know, if you got a little downtime waiting, you know, you've been finished editing and like, okay, I can start looking for scores. So. And I think, you know, we talk about this all the time back,
3: you know, shoot when you started probably in TV, you probably at night ran every NFL that, oh, score and a baseball score. We did a full full right. major league baseball scoreboard. scoreboard nobody does that anymore because mm-hmm. you're thinking Look, nobody's gonna wait till the 11 yeah. o'clock news to find out if if and the reds won now we put up a red scoreboard but the bottom line is you're thinking okay you show them so highlights so that if mm-hmm. they didn't catch the game they're like so what happened yeah. you know what was it that you know cost the reds a game or what was it right. you know so yeah i think it's video has become more important than mm-hmm. than scoreboards were back in the day
2: oh no doubt uh, I, I, yeah I, ironically that, well, maybe it's not ironic, but our video highlights were. I can remember Omar Williams showing one play of the Reds because he had to get to the scores, and he knew people wanted to know the scores, so he'd show one home run. Right, and, and now you it's got nine the exact score opposite. scores. Like, it's the exact right? opposite. I only show the Reds, and you know, and just some other stuff. So crazy really, times,
1: very, very crazy times. Uh, you mentioned during the summer the big sporting towns, the Dragons, and I see you guys often. What's it like covering?
2: Dayton. Well, I've covered them every year. They've been in existence. Um Been neat to move into doing the TV games. Hutch and I have been doing those the last couple of years. So nice to have, 15, you know, whatever it is we've been doing the last two or three years. Nice to have 15, 16 years of prep. You know, you kind of remember things and it's surprising, which it's fantastic. Um it's really helped the city of Dayton for that to be down. you look at the apartments they built across the street. You look at the new restaurant they built right there on the plaza. You look at those high end, uh, apartments that are, are above those, the, the hotel they're building there. And I mean, just, you look around the area and it's, 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 it's taken a while. In my opinion, the stuff that I see now, I thought was going to be there in five years after the team started, but I'm glad it waited. We're smarter now. We, you know, have cooler designs and stuff like that. um, just what it's done for the city, you know, basically, I cannot believe they haven't won a championship. Um, and yeah. I can't even, I less believe that they, it rare, how many times have they been to the playoffs? Seven, eight mm-hmm. out of 18 years. I know it's less than half the time and uh, hopefully they get in this year, but um, it's, it's great covering the dragons. We met, met some really cool people and Tom Nichols is a joy to work with. He he lives, eats, and breathes dragons, so you can get what you want anytime you want it. No one better. No one better to work with in terms of getting what you want anytime you want it. And, uh, you know, it's it's been fun. It is cool to know that, you know, I interviewed Joey Votto when I didn't know who he was or what he was going to be. No different than Jonathan India. We interviewed him this way. He could be a future Hall of Fame. I don't know. But maybe, you know, I'll be some old man in my 60s and people be talking about him in the Hall of Fame. It's possible. So, but it's been it's been great for the city because we normally had just some janky minor league stuff that yeah I hate to use the word janky the bombers were good yeah I mean do you think they were a good oh yeah well and it was fun with the
3: bombers because it was ECHL and you had the rivalry with the cyclones yeah. a little bit and, and some even other the Columbus. Yeah. right which was fun but I think it's great that the dragons are a Reds affiliate because it, not just for us but for fans to be able yeah. to say. You know, and Jack probably gets this too. You know, Reds fans will come up to me and say, so is Hunter Green, you know, Mm -hmm. have you seen him yet or have you, you know, so there's, it's, as you said, it's kind of cool to be seeing these young players come up and then trying to think, okay, is this the next, you know, big star that's going to play for the Reds or play elsewhere?
1: I feel like lately it's been elsewhere for a lot of them, but still. They're making the majors, and they got their start in Dayton. I mean, this year, we talked a little bit about it. Hunter Green, it's sad that he's got that UCL sprain in his throwing arm, but... There's some big names out there. I mean, India is probably a big one. Tyler Stevenson. The guy. I, think, I still, high I still, for Stevenson, I still yeah. have
3: high hopes for Tyler. And, you know, uh, the other night, even Marty Brenneman was talking about Robert Stevenson maybe getting another chance, even though he's had some, because I guess he's been pitching well pretty, you know, he's been pitching okay. So, you know, um, you, never know. Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, sometimes guys hit their strides later in life, and all of a sudden you're like, wow. But, uh, but there's been a number of players
2: that, well, no, I mean, you got a lot through, of Dragon All Stars. You know, Zach Coes, former, you know, Zach Cozart, Joey Votto, and um, uh, uh, what's the name behind the plate? Um, well, Todd Frazier, Todd Frazier, uh,
3: Devin Mesoraco, Devin Mesoraco,
2: Jay Bruce's right. was an All Star, Kearns, Kearns Dunne. was an All Star, you know, Adam Dunn
3: just went into the Reds so Hall of you, Fame, and yeah.
2: people will always think of Adam Dunn as a Red, <laughs> yeah, of and course, before, yeah. So, um, but you could field a team of nine. That were pretty good baseball players. A lot of them all stars, and uh, that were former dragons. So it's cool. You just never know who. Like I said, uh, Joey Votto wasn't an overall number one pick. a lot of times it's just someone you don't expect. And the ones you expect, sometimes you know they don't pay out. A lot of out. pressure. Yeah, a lot of pressure, and a lot of you know, doesn't always work out. But uh, we'll we'll see.
1: You mentioned it a little bit. Uh, both you guys get a chance to call uh, TV games on the CW with Tom Nichols, but. Outside WDTN, what else have you done
2: around here in the city of Dayton? Uh, Broadcasting-wise? Yep. I was the only play-by-play man to call play-by-play <laughs> while playing. <laughs> at least I think I'm the only one to ever do it. We had a, 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 a semi-pro football league team, and when I worked in radio, um, I worked over at Z93, which also had a WI, it still does, W-I-N-G over there. And uh, the semi-pro football team, somebody knew me from the work I did at uh, the centerville high school station i told you anyway i started doing play by play for them and uh back in the day i could do kicks and i think you've been with me where we go to football high school football practices and i said i bet you i could barefoot kick a field goal toe ball barefooter from 40 yards out i can't do it anymore might i don't know i haven't tried in a while but anyway kept talking and i said well let me do the kickoff and i said i'll put a wireless mic on and uh did a wireless uh Wireless mic uh, kick off. I'm like, I'm setting up the ball, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, man. These guys are all talking trash, saying all these. I'm gonna you. And I'm like, these guys are gonna kill me. They're gonna kill me. But then I, I kicked off, and I, and then I ran upstairs at the first commercial break and changed back in and did the rest of the game. So that is my. They were insignificant um other than that i've done well, you uh, did right state games. i did right state games uh i was play-by-play guy for right state games basketball and channel two uh or there was well the CW channel w- two, and cw the day, and then most recently yeah the cw the cw did a bunch of those games so uh yeah i got out and about i was a uh, color man for the bombers with uh the razor you remember him ray Anyway, the best part of that story was they make me the color man. I'm like, I don't. And this guy was a former goalie with the, with the bombers and he's the play by play man. And he was good. I'll tell you how good he was because I only did a year with him and I don't know anything about hockey. You know, I mean, not as much as I should know. I mean, you should, you got to know everything. I mean, I could have done the play by play because then you're just describing what you see, what you know is. The only thing you need to know is what you see and you need to relay that. But as a color man, it's very difficult. But, um, do one year with him. The very next year, the EA sports NHL hockey game comes out and Razor is the play by play guy on it. That was, I blew me away. I'm like, Oh my God. I worked with that guy last year. Now he's in the hockey. He's in the EA sports hockey game.
1: For those Dayton hockey fans out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the deal was for him. If he didn't do broadcasting, he'd get cut. I feel like that's the same it guy. probably
2: – I'll tell you how long ago that was. It was at Harrah Arena. Oh. It was – that's when they had a guy called the – the Bombers, the worst – the best and worst thing they ever did was move to the Nutter Center. <laughs> yeah. In my opinion, and because and, uh, I did the game, we covered the games, and we chewed them up top and whatnot, but when they were at the – when they were there – you were sold out every single Friday and Saturday night. 55.50. I'll never forget it. Friday, Saturday, 55.50. Sunday afternoons, Wednesday nights, 200 people. But Friday and Saturday sold out. 55.50. And it was. It was a, and I you could probably never do it today because of the society we live in. But you know they had a bikini section where they hired these bikinis from local clubs, and you know they'd have winners that got to sit next to him. Or I think they even had a hot tub at one point. <laughs> they had a guy, uh, they had a guy named Moose, and he was this giant three hundred and eighty pound guy who'd go to the top of the steps at the at the arena, and he'd take his shirt off, and everyone would go Moose, 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 and he just. Run down the steps as fast as you go. not that many at, at Hera. And he belly flop into the plexiglass. And I'm like, he's going to break that. But he never did. <laughs> then they, I saw, they used, I mean, then in between intermissions, they would have like the dynamite lady. This lady'd wear this tiny little bikini. She'd get into a box and they'd blow her up with dynamite. I mean, it was true Americana, you know, minor league promotions. And it was fun and people liked it. I've got no problem with family events and they wanted to make it family oriented. And, I mean, come on, you have a bar inside Hera. It was not going to be – it was a boys' night out or date night or rowdy night. And there was – I'm sure a cop could sit in here and tell me how horrible the maybe things were after the game. But during that two and a half hours of hockey, it was the coolest Friday and Saturday night. I always hated to leave. They would serve the media beer at those games. I would shut their heart sock and Don Brown would be sitting there. Well, Mike wasn't there. I'll protect his career. But they would sit there (laughs) – and they'd be drinking beer, eating chicken wings. I mean, it just blew your mind away. Man, Although, they didn't, they um, didn't do
1: that for the demons of demolition. No. What the heck? I feel cheated.
3: I remember back in the day at Riverfront Stadium, though, where in the media room they had taps for That's cutie. Cutie-pole. And, yeah. Yeah. and uh, there'd be a few times where Marty would come out of the booth and shake his head because Joe, you know, especially if it was an extra innings. I love you know. So, yeah, I mean, that used to be
2: a thing where they'd have yeah. the, you know, the tap. Much it well you couldn't but, if you had a bikini night or or you know and all sorts of things like that that would that would get guys there like hey cheer up spit yeah, out five seconds today's world you couldn't you just couldn't do it so it was a it was a different time back then
1: we've evolved there's some sports teams that are trying this millennial night and oof, don't what look is a the-
2: millennial night nobody shows up.
1: Um. No, you get free. Uh. Well, West Michigan had one. The opponent of the Dragons, they had one where they gave participation ribbons out. Uh, talked about, hey, you're on Twitter. Here's avocado toast. And I mentioned on one of my previous episodes, oh. why is that the big thing? Millennials. Okay. I hate avocado. Sorry. I'll no, take no.
2: bikini night at the Bombers. I mean, that's just how I feel.
1: Yeah. Hey, I mean, marketing back then. I mean, I wish I yeah. could have. I wish I could have seen it. But it was great. I was
2: I mean, it was great. And like I said, I mean, we have evolved. Things have changed. It's not proper for time. But it felt proper then, and it's it's how things work, right or wrong. It's how things work, and they sold out every Friday and Saturday night.
3: Well, and you talk about marketing, how that has changed. I mean, I remember growing up, you know, it was the coolest thing in the world if the Reds had batting glove day or bat oh, day or yeah. hat day. But it was, you know, it was not every night. Pretty I rare. Know. Now <laughs> – I think every game they're giving something away because uh, it's just the way society's changed. You know, there's just a lot more things that people can do, a lot more avenues for entertainment. Uh, I mean, you've seen some, even when the Reds were playing better, I mean, some of the crowds they've had awful. have not been good. And yeah. so, yeah, it's just funny how, yeah, back in the day, I mean, you'd have a giveaway day and that was just huge. And now I look and every night they're <laughs> giving away bobblehead. <laughs> bobblehead. Yes. Guy who tore your a, ticket bobblehead what's night. the little thing they got now? The little statue? The oh, the, the, uh, the punko or something yeah, like that. Punko or... Yeah. They're just the heads are like rectangles, and
1: the eyes are just one side.
3: Yeah, they're the millennials' version of bobbleheads. So uh, it's just funny how things have uh, evolved.
1: To me, you can't replace bobbleheads. No. How can you you replace them like bobs up and down, and then just have this punko thing just staring
3: at you like – Right, but you know what? If it's free, people want them. Yeah. I remember Tony Perez, when
2: he got into the Reds Hall of Fame, I actually went as a fan. I brought my girlfriend down there, and they were giving out a Tony Perez statue. And uh, you know, this was just a few years ago. When that, or maybe it wasn't the Hall of Fame. They were honoring him. Maybe, it's, oh, he got a statue. Maybe that's what it was. But anyway, it was Tony. And as I'm walking up, it's 10 till 7, quarter to 7, whatever it is. The game's at 7-10. Droves of people walking by me holding the statue. They're not even going to the game. They bought a ticket, grabbed the statue, and went home. I couldn't believe my... I'm like, You're not gonna, you can't sit and watch a game? Is that bad?
3: Although I have to ask you this. Have you ever seen a bobblehead that actually really looks like the person? Never.
1: <laughs> UD, uh, women's soccer had one. It was uh, longtime head coach Mike Tucker. Love he, Mike Tucker. <laughs> great guy. He's one of
2: my favorite guys ever. He's
1: a great guy. guy. Um, that one looked pretty close to him. Then now, again, that's a
3: smaller this, bobblehead. If they have a Rick Chamberlain bobblehead day at... Welcome stadium. I would be the first one in line.
2: Mm, That would be big. He earned one.
3: He's earned one years, but
2: uh, uh, I just laugh because if you look at bobblehead, you're thinking
3: they kind of look. The same in the yeah, face. They
2: all they slap a name just, on them. It's, it's just, just a different uniform.
3: It's,
1: it's just, just uniformal. Uniform. Does this look like your face? Yeah, close, close enough. enough. Right. You know, here's your name. There you go. I I, I get that. Right. But the Mike Tucker one and the Heater and Jim ones—they're dragon mascots. So well, that's they're look, different. They're yeah. mascots,
2: but people—it's a little more tough.
1: Now, both of you have been at WDTN for a long time, and this station has gone through ownership changes a couple in the past few years. And the big one, I guess, would be Hearst kind of unloading it. Well, that was 100
2: years ago. That yeah. was uh, – yeah, that was a long time. Uh, Hearst is who I was hired by. I tell you how long ago that yeah. was. Although Hearst had to give up WDTN they they, because yeah. of an FCC rule
3: right, of having a, a station in Cincinnati.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You if can I- have stations that close together. If Correct.
1: I, if I remember right, the WLWD, which is right. know, DTN way back the in the old day, yeah. That's sure. that's why that rule was written or one of the reasons why. And but in terms of ownership dealership ownership dealership, let's try that. In terms of ownership turning over, has that impacted your jobs at all?
2: I mean, to be honest, no, I mean, the Reds still play. We got to put their scores up. The Flyers still get out there. The Raiders still tip it off. I mean, this means filling out different paperwork. The different, and I think, and yeah, it's different uh, to me. And I said, it's anybody really. I say, if you don't like it here, you won't like it anywhere. You know, it's it's, this, the the business has changed. I mean, our ownership changes, but oh, Jack, you're doing your own live shots. Here's your TVU unit. Oh, I'm the only one in the world. No. You know, everybody is. And when I go to, like, Bengal games, I'll do a live shot for Hutch. And uh it's just a circle of, of what we call one-man bands, guys, you know, you know, shooting something and sending it back or doing a live shot. So, no, I mean, you know, the check says something different on it. The, you know, little tweaks here. And they're just mostly personal things. But on the air, I mean, think about it. I've been through six ownership changes. And the only change that happened was Mark Allen. And that wasn't... You know, Jack was pretty old. He was, he was, I don't know if he retired. I don't think he wanted to leave, if memory serves, but I don't remember. It wasn't any big deal. Ryan Davis is still here. I mean, Hutch has been here for a long time. I and mean, on air, main on air people now, reporters come and go everywhere. Don't fool yourself. Unless you're in LA, New York, where it's the ultimate landing spot, you know, in a market size the way of Dayton. Yeah. You come back here in a year, there'll be four new reporters sitting there probably, and all be young. And, um, but in terms of anchors, tara has been here a long time. Jamie's been here a long time. Heck, even Brooke's been here a long time. She did mornings. Not a super long time, but it's not like we we churn them out. I God, I just heard about Nero. I about fell off my chair. Uh down in Cincinnati. Is it uh, Catherine Nero? Yeah. She they let her go. Did you know that? You look like you do not know. That. I did not know. Yeah. That. So and she'd been there I don't know how long. It seems long time, like forever. In fact, she started in sports. That's right. Catherine Nero yeah, Catherine Nero's yeah. and they just let her go. So, wow. but uh, generally speaking, I mean, you know, whatever, it's still the same building, it's still the same job, just still, right, <laughs> just changes. But the job, I don't care who owns you job changes, you know,
1: Jack Paul Hutch Connerman with me here on the Gem of the Queen's Crown podcast. For those interested in joining the field of broadcasting, what advice <laughs> be,
2: Find besides, something else <laughs>
1: besides don't because I, I think I do that a lot, too, but. What advice can you give out to
2: hopefuls out there? My advice is I probably don't need to give you advice. Anyone who wants to do this business generally has a strong pe- – this isn't eh, I'm thinking about doing tax preparation or maybe another kind of accounting. This isn't really that. This is – I mean, you're in radio. It's hard. Yeah. There's only one reason in the world you're doing this. It's because you have passion and you love it. My advice would be to someone contemplating not doing it because of all the negativity they heard and that is follow your passion. I mean, that that's what I would say. I mean, obviously, you know, if you're a, if you're, if you are not a hundred percent committed, you'll be out in no time. You know, you'll hate it. You know, you want the hours stink. The pay isn't great. A lot of times the, you know, it's, it's not as glamorous as you think. And, uh, but if you have a great passion for it, my advice would be follow your passion. The good news is it's a lot easier to do
3: as far as um, getting yourself known than it used to be. I mean, back in the day, you had to box up a tape,
2: oh, take sure. it down
3: to the mail, you know, get away, send it out, and then hope that somebody would look at it. And now, shoot, you can make your own demo tape on your phone if you really wanted to. So, uh, And you just get a YouTube channel and send the link along, and somebody sees it. So. You know, it's a little easier from that aspect to uh, to get yourself a, a, a video audition tape or an audio audition tape. Yeah. Get yourself seen and shoot some people that didn't even study this all of a sudden become YouTube sensations. And all of a sudden they're getting requests to do interviews on talk yeah. shows. And so,
2: but it never is say never. Yeah. And it is amazing. You don't have to wait for a job anymore to do the job. Correct. You won't make any money. But unless you get millions of followers on YouTube, then you just stay doing that. But... You know, I've told this to high, to colleges and high school classes. I'm like, you want to do it? You can do it now. You can get something on the air now. Someone will look at it. Someone will see it, you know, depending on, you know, may, may not many, maybe you get like, you know, but you can, and it'll get you used to being in front of a camera and that sort of thing. So, but, you know.
1: Besides watching you guys on WDTN and WBDT, at least I think that's twenty. I don't even know it. I call it CW. Right. Yeah, it's, that's pretty much just a CW. How can people follow you guys? And 10 years
2: ago, if I asked that question, I would have been like, <laughs> well, whoa, that's sure creepy. That. Uh, you, you better keep watching. Social uh, media. I'm a little – yeah, I'm yeah. Really, I'm I am a not old the world's. Yeah, media. I'm not very good at social media. I'm never going to beat anyone to the punch because it take me ten minutes just to type whatever I wanted to say, and by then eighty other people. <laughs> let's see, what's it, Hunter? Right, Green, I'm all thumbs when it comes, well, Yeah, <laughs> and it takes forever. <laughs> has so. been shelved for the season. meanwhile. Eighty seven. <laughs> right, I, I, frankly and I know it's an important part of our business and I get that because people look at it, you know, um, it's almost to the point. It's like saying, I'm not really into food. Well, everyone in the world needs to eat food if they want to live. It's almost becoming that way. But I am, to be honest with you, it's just ridiculous. Uh, social media is destroyed media. It's just destroyed it. Anybody can well, say anything, and it's it's vicious. It's mean. There's no policing of it. It's nasty. I mean. And I think it's all based a lot on emotion. Right? So,
3: yeah. you know, you're all fired up. So what do you do? Fire off up. Between? How many times have you seen it? You know, an athlete or somebody do it, and then they're like, oh, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's.
2: um Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, follow at wdtn dot com, and uh, there's an um, you can there's an ad op football, and uh, those we have a pretty good website,
3: uh, very good, and not op-
2: to follow us, but just to yeah, kind yeah, of channel keep two would be the way to go, and, yeah.
3: and see, but
2: but that's it. I mean, we're uh, yeah, you can always email me here at the station. <laughs> I'll call you Jay poll at wdtn dot com. So
3: there you go. Yeah, right. and actually, I'm N the counterman, even though everybody calls me Hutch and yeah. for Neil. So
1: what uh what is that story of the nickname Hutch?
3: <laughs> well, I actually got that when I was working at that other station across town. Uh, we mentioned it before, Mike Hartsuck, And at the time, his weekend anchor, Mario Barson, kind of tagged me with that name. And it just kind of stuck. And I think the first time Jack met me, they actually were like, well, that's Hutch. And so
2: Jack was like, I didn't know. Right. I'm one of those guys where so, whatever you introduce me, you ask, that's it. That's what you're going to be. So.
1: So you're Hutch for life. So there's
2: really not. Yeah, I laugh because it's as I
3: said, it's always the nickname that you don't think will stick that does. <laughs> so Schlemmer told me there was someone that called you Hitch. Who was that? Well, that was Dusty Baker. And once you tell <laughs> Schlemmer something, he never lets go of it. No. So he calls me Hitch. But I will say this: I do not have an identity crisis. I mean, I do have an identity, but it, I don't take it personally. <laughs> you know, some <laughs> people some people get rattled. I'm not one of those. You know, at high school games, I'm camera guy. You know, to the kids in the stands, I'm camera guy. That's fine. Um, you know, I was hitched to Dusty Baker. He probably just didn't hear it right. Um, a coach, I won't name his name, but one coach thought my name a few years for a couple of years kept calling me Hugh. Um, I've got another high school coach that calls me Hooch. Um, so at least
2: you mix it up. I only have one. I only well, it's have pretty one. hard. To, oh, nickname or not guess, nickname, but, but oh. mistaking name. Oh, everyone thinks I'm Mike Hartsock. Right. I think it's the hair. It's. My must be that yeah, I, you know, you know, I get it i get it a lot of time all you know it's funny
3: the the other um, what we have celtic fest recently yeah. and, and mark allen said somebody came up to him and said you know keep up the good work carl day <laughs> You know what I mean? So, oh. and, and, right, I swear. And and we've had Mike Hartsock tell us a story where he went into a vendor one time and the guy thought he was Carl Day. Yeah. So sometimes you wonder that, you know, people watch, but they don't watch all that closely. So they, they know a familiar well, name. Oh, you mentioned Catherine Nero. I know
2: her and I can't picture her in my mind. And I've watched her. I watch a lot. My girlfriend lives down in Cincinnati and I watch a lot of television down there. And I, you know, I'm like, and, and even I get, cause I probably watch like most people. They, it's, According to what I've been told, the average person just watches one newscast a day or even a week. They never watch all three or whatever. So that's a lot to ask them to remember, unless you're, you know, older people would know us. But that happens. So. You know, you don't take it
3: personally. But, no. I, yeah, I think people relate to people who have been around a while. And, I mean, you and Mike have been in the market a long time. And so people just, yeah, you know, yeah, like, I think it's easy guys, to get white guys, same size. confused yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. It, uh, it happens. to mix it up. But, yeah, and, you know, I had somebody here that, you know, used to tweet or used to uh, text me and put snitch. I'm like, snitch? <laughs> <laughs> Touch. But yeah. anyway, um, so, Yeah. I'm I'm called a lot of things. I always say call me anything you want, just don't call me late for dinner.
1: <laughs> I love that. Last question, though, I'll let you guys go. Yeah,
3: because I'm going to be late for dinner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your favorite part about the local Sunday sports scene, and what would you like to see added here to Dayton?
2: Well, I mean... I'd like to see a Super Bowl added with the Bengals winning it. Um, that would be nice. Uh, that would be, that would be nice. It would be really tough for UD or Wright State to win a national title. I mean, it's real. I mean, the Bengals are a pipe dream, but it could happen. You know, I just, I don't know. Butler's about as close as anyone's ever gotten in the last 20 years to, to win it at all, you know, to being in the game and in, in the game, right? You know, not just being there. So that would be tough, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy the bigger things. The older I get, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy going to covering Bingo. I got to go to Lambeau Field last year and it was almost a religious like experience. Bucket list. Yeah. I mean, to cover a game and at the end of the game, I'm editing his late package and I'm sitting on the, on the Packers bench and I'm the only one there and all the lights are still on. I don't know what was going on, but I'm just like, looking. around. my like, I'm at Lambeau Field right now alone editing a package on, you know, I was the last one out and or sending it whatever I was doing. I really like that. I mean, I like the small stuff too. And I still love going to a, a good high school football game on a Friday night when the air is crisp and you, you get the smell of the hamburgers on the grill and people are bundled. You know, that's a special feeling. Going to a big Ohio State game. I can't stand going to small Ohio State games where they're playing Ball State or something. But Penn State game last year and the Michigan game, the overtime Michigan game from a few years ago, uh, were too, you know, you just knew you were somewhere special. I mean, I just, but uh, what I'd like to see brought in, I don't think we'll ever get NBA here. Uh, there's too many good college basketball teams. There's just not enough, you know, nobody, would. I don't, I don't think, maybe if you put one in Monroe Stadium there, maybe you get Dayton, Cincinnati, I don't know, but um by the time you got UC and Xavier, who were unbelievable last year, two top 20 teams all year, you know, and and Dayton's generally, you know, has a great following and right stake and That's just a lot of basketball to ask people. But so, yeah, I'd like to see the Bengals win a Super Bowl before I get out of this business and time's running out.
3: <laughs> I will just say that I think the thing that I like about this market the best, and, I, you know, I know different – strokes for different folks, but and it's not a knock against these markets. But I like the fact that in Dayton we do have the variety. I mean, you have a major league baseball team that we cover, you have an NFL team we cover, you know, we do cover the Buckeyes. You know, we've got a great minor league franchise with the Dragons. You know, you have big time college basketball with UD and the hosting of the first four. I don't think I'd want to be in a market where it was strictly, and I'll point out Columbus. And again, I love the Buckeyes, but if that was the whole central thing that you were covering all the time, I just think it would get so boring. You know, at least we do have a change of season. What's the old joke? And we country? do have the, yeah. The, Three nuclear
2: it. warheads headed for Columbus. How does this affect Buckeye practice?
3: Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, so I like the variety and that's what I tell people. I say, you know, a bit, but I, they don't cover the Buckeyes, certainly like we do. No. So, you know, we've kind of get, we get the like best of everybody's, you know, around and that's kind of what makes it unique. So. I kind of like things the way they are. But, yeah, as far as a a championship, it would be fun. But we may be – somebody else might be talking about that with you before that (laughs) happens as far as one of our teams.
1: Jack, Hutch, thanks for your time. This has been a great episode. And thank you.
2: We'll do it again sometime. Thanks for having us on, Lee. Appreciate it.
1: Sounds good, guys. This is Episode 55 of The Gem on The Queen's Crown. Talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of The Gem on the Queen's Crown. Closing theme provided by Roy Matz at Roymatz.com. For every available platform to listen to the podcast, please visit the slash podcast. For podcast updates, like the Facebook page, The Gem on the Queen's Crown. On Twitter, follow the podcast at Gem on Queen Crown and the host at The Lee W Mullen.